good morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to deliver um, God's word to you this morning. We are kicking off a new sermon series called Graves in the Gardens. Um, but before I get started, I got one personal thing that I want to uh, just mention really quick. So um, I love technology. Don't you guys too? Um, and so this morning as I walked up, I got a picture from my wife. Um, she's out of town right now visiting her dad, and it's actually his birthday. So a shout out to my dad. They're watching, or father-in-law this morning. They're watching online. So happy birthday, John. I'm glad you could join us this morning. It just, it's amazing how God keeps us connected, even in times where maybe we wouldn't think so. Um, and even like, think about all that we've walked through in the last year, right? The pandemic um, and how frustrating that has been. Um, and how many times it's caused us to fear, um, and even, let's be real, like, there's been death involved. And so, as we were discussing, um, Brad and Roger and Bob, and you're going to get to hear from all four of us in the next four weeks, so strap in, buckle up, get ready, a different preacher every single week for four weeks as we walk through graves into gardens, but we kept thinking about death, but how God continually brings new life. And so we're leading up to the Easter service, and that is the day, right, that we celebrate. But man, let me tell you, every single day is a day of celebration of what he has done for us. And so I get to be the one to kick it off. Um, this song was only released in May of 2020, right? So it's not a super um, old song. It's not one that maybe everybody's even familiar with. Um, so I'm going to pop up the lyrics on the screen so you kind of have, I'm going to lay out the road map, if you will, of where we're going. So this is bridge number one. It says, you turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. Catch this part, and this is the part, like, we just proudly proclaimed it. He's the only one who can. So we're, we're kind of working our way backwards a little bit. Bob's going to kind of recap and end with this. Um, but in bridge number two, look what it says. You turn graves into gardens. So Roger has that one on Easter Sunday, right? Very fitting. Brad's got you give, or you turn bones into armies. Small misprint there, my bad. Um, and then I am leading it off today with you turn seas into highways. And so we're going to be walking through these different things that our Lord does, that he, quite honestly, is the only one who can do this. And I know what many of you are also thinking, like, think back six weeks, Brett was up on this very stage. I was preaching about the wilderness experience, and guess where I was at? Exodus chapter 13 through Exodus chapter 16. And I was focusing on, we've got to learn to embrace the wilderness experience. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be trials. But if we truly embrace what God throws our way, and hear me, difficult things will come your way. You will grow. We looked at his provision we looked at how he is constantly ever going before us. He never leaves us. He fights for us. That is the God that we know and love. But I'm going to not just um, elaborate on that, but go a little bit from a different angle. Exodus 14, the Red Sea crossing, it's a story of salvation. It's a story of redemption. And so as we look at Scripture, all of it is pointing to one person, and his name is Jesus. And all throughout the Old Testament, it's pointing. It's saying, look, a Messiah is coming. So we're going to look at this story, and I love how when you read God's Word, it's fresh every single time. And so even though I referenced this just six weeks ago, I believe that God has something for us this morning, something fresh, something alive that we need to hear. And so as we're looking at God's deliverance, look at Israel too. Because they are in a really hard situation 
They feel like their back is up against the wall. Hear this. There is no way of escape for them. And it's in this moment that I believe we have two choices. We can choose fear and discouragement, doubt, or we can choose to faith, to, to have faith, to trust in him. So to quickly catch us back up, what is Israel's situation? They have just been delivered out of Egypt. They have seen the power of the Lord for the ten plagues. They are now being led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, God's presence. And they have been led almost to the edge of being out of Pharaoh's grasp. Hear that? Because look at verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Piharoth, between Migdol and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. So we read in those first two verses, right, they're on the brink of getting out, escaping all the way. They'll be out of Pharaoh's control, and God does something kind of weird. What does he tell them to do? Stop, halt, go back. What? I, I, I joked around if I was speaking to students this morning, like, put it in reverse. Whoop, 180. I had one of my students even come up in the 8 o'clock service, do the about face. Heading one direction, turning the other. That's the image that I want you to have, because they were this close to being completely out of reach, and God says, I have a different plan for you. And here's the point I want to bring up to us this morning. Many times we've got our own understanding, an idea of what our plan that God's doing in our life is. And up until this point, they were stoked. They were excited that God had been doing all these things on behalf of them. But now God's plan is going to look a little bit different than their plan. And let me tell you, if we were really to be honest with ourselves, 2020 did not go according to plan. Right? Did anybody draw this up? No. So this isn't our plan. We didn't choose all this mess that we're in. But God did. And I believe that he wants to work through this. Just as he's going to work through his people here. And so they are probably on the side of like, God, this doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't think that this is your perfect plan, but we'll do it. We trust you. So they turn back and notice the response, though, of Pharaoh. And this is exactly why God has them turn back. Verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people that they are wandering in the wilderness. The wilderness has shut them in. So Pharaoh's looking at this going, those people that I didn't want to let go, that God forced my hand on, I'm going to go get them back. Because you know what? They're lost. They're aimless. They have no clue what they're doing. And hear me, the world many times when it looks at believers, what is their response as well? Those people have no clue what they're doing. They're wandering aimlessly. They're taking commands from someone they can't see. It's a waste. They're wasting their lives. But notice, God has a plan. Now, as we read verses 1 and 2, there were several different like names of places that come up. And the reason why I bring that up is because as you read about the crossing of the Red Sea, this miraculous event, there are so many different ideas, so many different speculations out there of where this actually, actually took place. Like, I was trying to because when I preached six months ago, I, I put up a map. I'm like, here's maybe the route they chose. But the more I dug, the more I was like, I have no clue 
where this really was. Like, there's so many experts out there that still are debating and arguing, and here's the reason why, right? We're not going to spend a ton of time on it because here's what I want us to grasp from it. If God said it happened, it happened. I don't care where it was at. God did it. But I, I do want to break it down just a little bit. So the first term, pihatharoth, right? According to Strong's Concordance, it's a place where sedge grows or could be translated mouth of cavern or gorges, right? And so you're thinking here of like, well, that's pretty, pretty broad, pretty vague, right? Exactly. Um, here's what it said. The third encampment of the Israelites after leaving Goshen in Egypt. Thank you, right? We know they stopped there, but where is it at? So that's confusing term number one. Migdol means tower, a fortified city on the Egyptian border. So here's the things that we're putting clues together. It's a tower, a fortified city along the border somewhere, possibly where there's this mouth of water or this marsh of reeds. Also not very helpful. So third, right, there's very specific terms, but we're still scratching our head. Baal Zephon. Baal, Baal, God, Lord Zephon of the north. A town of the Egyptians by the Red Sea. An old cultivated place between the Nile and the Red Sea. Thanks very much, experts. Right? As we're looking, who knows? But I'm not hung up on that detail. And hear me, as I read, there's possibly a spot that I'm like, whoa, that could be it. But I don't want us to get hung up on that detail this morning. We're going to look at the God who makes seas into highways this morning. And here's the image that I want you to see. Because this is us without Christ. We are trapped. We are slaves. We are in bondage. We are under oppression. And that's crazy to think about. But God has his people delivered only to then trap them? Why? Why would God do this? Because the troubles of this life should cause us to run to our Savior. Matthew Henry says it this way, God brings us into the straits that he may bring us to our knees. God allows these hard things, and we've been talking about this. Pastor Roger, last two out of the three weeks, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, for God works all things together for good. And man, there's a lot of people who struggle with that because the world is so full of evil. It's so full of things that don't look good. But this is an opportunity for God's people to show faith and confidence in their they had confidence as they're walking out but now that it's starting to get hard as the army is marching closer they need to be delivered again we are constantly in need of being delivered look at what verse 9 says the egyptians pursued them all of pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army do you see the picture Back against the wall, not the wall necessarily, the sea. They're encamped by it. Army one way, sea the other. Fear is starting to creep in. And Pharaoh and his army come closer and closer, and the noise gets louder, right? There's probably not a lot of rain in the wilderness, desert area, but they see the cloud of dust. The horse is coming, the soldiers marching. And it says in verse 9, it overtook them, encamped by the sea. Uh-oh. The people are now discouraged. Look at verse 11. 
Then they said to Moses, it is because there are no, what's that word? Graves. Our sermon series, Graves into Gardens. They're saying, um, Moses, this is a bad plan. Like we had great confidence in you, but now we're not believing it so. How quickly we turn on the people who are leading us. How quickly we doubt and get discouraged. There are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? That's the backdrop for our this morning. So there's three things that I want us to take away. And they're not anything that you haven't heard, but I want you to be encouraged by them this morning. So point number one, no, we're not going to die in the wilderness. God has a plan for us. Yes, one day we all will die, but catch these truths. The Lord draws us out of sin and bondage. If you read and as you study, Egypt represents the world, represents sin. It represents life without Christ. The Lord needed his people out of Egypt. He needs them away from a culture that worships man as God. Listen to this. If you live in the world long enough, you will be tempted to act as it acts. You will be tempted to value the thing that it values. You will be tempted to worship the things that it worships. How do I know this? Because we live in a fallen world. And if I don't have my eyes fixed on Christ, if I am not firmly rooted in his word, grounded in his truth, guess what rubs off on me? The world. And God has to draw his people out of sin, out of bondage, out of oppression. And here's the part that many times we forget. We get comfortable in the world. Yes, we're slaves, but we somehow learn to enjoy it. But God says, I have to get you out of there. I want to deliver you. I want to redeem you. I want to show you great grace. Think about that in our lives today. The Holy Spirit still has this job of drawing, leading, convicting people. It is his job to draw us to the Father. So point number one, the Lord draws us out of sin and out of bondage. Catch the second part. Remember the he's the only one who can? Point number two, the Lord parts the waters and makes a way. Woo, get excited. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And imagine all these people, they're watching. Some believe it could be upwards of two million people. So obviously everybody didn't have a front row seat to this. But there's some people and they're watching. And Moses comes out, army, water, army, water. Starts to reach out his hand. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Can you imagine those people sitting there just like, what? Like Moses' arms go up, here comes the staff, and he's like, Right? I've got an imagination. Hopefully you do too. And the people of Israel went into the midst. Do you think they were still afraid? I bet so. Right? Like this God, he's powerful, but we don't know what he's doing. So they went into the midst on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And I want to pause here just for a second. Right? Can you imagine this with me? How big were those waves? I don't know. So some people don't have an imagination. Brenda, will you show me my first picture? This is probably how some people imagine it to be. 
this teeny tiny path, right? The waters are out just a little bit like it's a wind. How much damage could it do, right? We need a huge path for all of these people. And like I love when scripture explains other scripture, right? So I was reading up on the Red Sea and I was doing a little bit of studying. And so one of the commentators referenced Psalm 77. I'm like, why did he do that? Right? What's the connection there? So listen to this. This wasn't a person who was there, obviously. It says, written by, um, the, to the choir master, according to Judithan, a psalm of Asaph. So he wasn't there, but listen to this description. Psalm 77, verse 16. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. Kind of a weird account, right? Like, what's going on here? The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Like, okay, Brett, get to your point. Here I go. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Verse 20 wraps it all together for us. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a whole lot like he's describing something, right? In the Psalm in 77, the title of it is, In the day of trouble I seek the Lord. He wasn't there. He had his own day. But I think the Holy Spirit, the Lord, allowed him to have a glimpse. So here's my picture, okay, of, and once again, imagination. This is not exactly, but show us the big one, Brenda. Here in just a second, it's going to pop up. We got a new system this morning we're working with. This is more of what I imagine. This is the God that wants his people to see that he's the only one who can. This is the God who's about to prove something to the mighty, mighty Egyptian army that's like, you don't have nothing on me. Storms, wind, lightning, like, woo. And as as they're walking through, they have to be thinking to themselves, Lord, this is you. This is how you are going to save us. And it's terrifying. I'm scared. Um... I work with students. You don't get anywhere fast, right? There's people running here, people running there. Even adults, you're not that much better. Like I went on a trip to Israel, and there's about 60 of us on a bus, and as soon as we get off, everybody's like, I want to see this, I want to see that. Imagine, I bet you everybody was focused on this little adventure. (laughs) There may have been one or two kids like trying to poke fish and stuff, right? But they had a purpose. They needed to get through to the other side. The Lord parts the waters. We can't do that. But side note, the Lord needs people to be obedient. Catch this. God used Moses to raise his hands. He wanted the people to see that he was going to use his people. Remember, Moses was the stuttering guy. He was like, no, 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 not me, Lord. I, I, I can't do it. Here he is, not saying a single word, raising his hands in obedience. Lord, use me. He parts the waters he turns the sea into a highway they saw an obstacle god saw an opportunity here is how i'll get the glory here's how the egyptians will know here's how my people know and all those people that they're getting ready to face they're going to hear this story they're going to know who i am 
Catch this third part as we continue reading our story. The Lord swallows up death and brings new life. Not only does he part away, but he takes care of death for us. Remember, Israel, their back was against the wall. Certain death. If we don't die, we're going back to slavery. God, where are you? Why aren't you working on my behalf? You've saved us before, but why not now? Uh, He's got a plan. Verse 26. So the Lord says to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. I made a oopsie, and I didn't get 27 into the slide, so just listen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned its normal course when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled into it, and the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. Verse 28. The waters returned and covered the chariots of the horsemen and all of the host of Pharaoh that had followed to them into the sea. Not one of them remains. Do you see the picture? God's people just barely get out in the nick of time. Remember, this is my imagination, but let me go. They just get out. Moses turns around and is like, they're still coming. That's the world. It wants you. It wants you to be enslaved. God says, Moses, turn, raise your hand. Watch me work again. Whoosh. Whoosh. He swallows up death, just like he swallows up the Egyptian army. Once again, Scripture does an incredible job of illuminating truth after truth. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7 and 8. Listen to what it says. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. Verse 8. He will swallow up death forever. Isaiah's writing about a time to come, and man, we should get excited about this. The Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the lord has spoken Woo! like these people they're shouting they're exciting they turn back around and go we were facing certain death and now god saved us but catch this too the egyptian army should be a reminder For us as believers, that we are no longer bound to the old self, bound to the old way. It has been wiped out. It has been annihilated. So let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And just as he saved his people time and time again in the Old Testament, wake up. He's still doing it to this day. And he wants to do it. Um. I always try to keep things on a very basic level. But every now and then I read across something, and I'm just like, that was well said. Right? And it's a little more academic than what I normally say. So listen, Dr. Greg Allison okay, wrote this, and it's talking about salvation as a whole, but listen how it describes this story perfectly. Believers are united with Christ. And hear me, that's an amazing thing. Perfect God would take sinful man, die, to bring him to be with himself. But we are united with Christ in his death, burial, 
resurrection and ascension. All those things are true. We are with him. So he breaks it down into two different parts. Through union with Christ's death and burial, our sinful nature is rendered powerless. Like I know Paul talks about us battling the flesh, but if we look at it from this story of salvation, Pharaoh's army is pretty what? Pretty dead. Pretty powerless. So that they are no longer enslaved to sin. They die to sin and are set free from its dominion. Woo! Second part, he says, through union with Christ, resurrection and ascension, right, here's the hope here and now, but there's also a future hope. Believers are raised with him. We are seated with him in heaven. And now we presently live a new life of faithfulness and obedience to our God. What does God require of his children? Faith. Obedience. He wants us to do as he says. And we look forward to a new life of God's eternal goodness and blessing. We are no longer identified with our old self, but we identify with Christ. Time and time again in the New Testament, Paul, a slave of Christ, a servant of Christ, united with Christ. Do you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? No hope, no life, graves. We all will die, and we deserve this. But God brings new life. Graves into gardens. Like, I like planting. You guys know that. I love watching things sprout up. Spring is my favorite time of the year because what is cold and dead is now new and alive. And hear me, gardens bring forth much fruit. God desires for us to bear fruit for him. Jesus, God's son, bore the wrath and shame for us. He swallows up death. The spirit convicts and leads us out of sin. God the father made a way and God the son was the one who died. This is powerful this morning. And I've got one more Old Testament story, right? If, if you don't read the Old Testament, let me encourage you to. I know there's a lot that's probably hard to understand. And trust me, I've got so many questions that I'm still figuring things out. But the symbolic pictures, like Easter's coming, Jewish people celebrate Passover of the lamb that was to be sacrificed. All that's upcoming. Well, the story of Jonah, right? Sometimes we just think of it um, as a fishtail, right? Some people don't even believe it to be true. Well, just this past summer, I walked our students through it because I believe in it is the story of salvation. Jonah, yes, is not Jesus, but it's a type. And as we look at his story, we think... Oh, let me connect the dots. Let me put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Because in Matthew chapter 12, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're asking Jesus for a sign. And guess what sign he gives them? The sign of Jonah. It says, just as Jonah was in the whale of the, the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the earth three days and three nights. And I love the picture of Jonah being swallowed up by this great fish and being taken where? Down to the depths, the darkness that equals sin and shame. But the story doesn't stop there. Catch this. Just as Jesus came, Jonah went down to Joppa 
and paid a price. Jesus came down from heaven to pay the price. He was on the boat asleep and everyone was afraid. Jesus too was in a boat, was asleep, and everyone was afraid. As the story continues, they cast lots to figure out who this was. In the story of Jesus, they cast lots for his clothes. And finally, the Gentiles didn't know what to do with him, so what did they do? They had him killed. They cast Jonah over, and we too, as Gentiles, killed the Savior. But just as the story of Jonah, he didn't stay in the belly of the whale. And I know it's kind of gross how the story goes, right? He vomits him out. Jesus didn't vomit out of a grave. He rose from it victorious. This is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. He defeated hell. He conquered death. And he's up from the grave, right? We're going to sing it soon. But it's true every single day. Woo! Jesus, you're the only one who can. Catch this too. One more thing of the comparison. Jonah was sent so that the world, so that Nineveh would turn and repent. Why was Jesus sent? So that the world may turn and repent. His very first words when he's here on earth, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And hear me, I am so excited this morning to be delivering this message of salvation, saying the Lord draws us out of sin and bondage. The Lord provides a way. The Lord swallows up death and victory. But also part of me gets sad. Because when I'm proclaiming such a great salvation, guess what I also know? There's a reason why we needed this salvation. Because we were separate from Christ. Apart from Him, we deserve hell. Eternal damnation. That's the sad reality. And I know that it's difficult to preach about that, but people need to hear that. We need to be convicted that we have this salvation message, and yet there's others out there who don't. And we're just living our lives going, I'm, I'm good. Thank you, Lord. I'm saved. You redeemed me. I am your child. That's why we sang that second song. Do you hear it? You split the seas so we could walk right through it. But we are prone to fear. I'll be real. At the beginning of this pandemic, I was so afraid. I have asthma. I don't have great lungs. It's supposed to attack stuff like that. My wife was pregnant with our first little bitty girl. There was a lot of fear that overwhelmed me. But God's truth hasn't changed. I'm in a whole lot different place now. He is the God who can. And he's working out a way. We've got a healthy little girl in my lungs. They're still not great, but guess what? I'm here. You're hearing them this morning. God's got a plan. So why don't we trust him? Why do we doubt? Fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am his child. And man, we can rejoice in that this morning. This is only one of many stories of God rescuing, redeeming, saving, whatever word you want to put in there. Full. Thank you, Lord. So I want to give you guys a time to respond this morning.
You may be having questions. Maybe in 2020 you lost someone. There was actual death. Or you know of a close friend. And you're saying, there's no hope. There is. If they knew the Lord, then one day you will see them. Maybe you're still frustrated with how all this is panning out. Like, come on, God. In this mess, we are here for a purpose. Don't miss that. Some of you need to be some Moseses and step up. God, use me. I stutter, I stammer, I don't have words. But God, I'll do it. Because you are worthy. God, and I want the whole world to know. I want my family to know. I want my friends. God, this is my desire. And I hope it is yours too. It's worth the risk. I'm not saying we walk out there and try to offend people, but please share truth. Pray that the Holy Spirit gives you the words to say. Because he's the one who's still drawing. So I want you to stand. Here in just a second, we're going to sing that verse again. But before we do, these altar, or this altar is open. If you need to come and pray, I know you can do that right there in your seat. Some of you just need to admit, man, I've been fearful. God, that's not faith. He doesn't expect perfection. But when we mess up, we run to him. Maybe this morning, and I know Roger always does an incredible job of sharing the salvation message. But just by some chance, there's someone here or online. I've never done that. Today's your morning. Today is the day of salvation. Come, join him, become his child. Surrender your life to him. And I'm not promising everything will go perfect, but I am saying he will give you life. So will you come? How do you need to respond? Maybe you're in that situation and your back's against the wall. And you feel like you're just beating your head against it. Wait patiently for the Lord to do an amazing thing. Let's sing that out again together. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Just a few words. Man, don't you feel that? proclaiming it to him this morning. And I know that as we head out of here this morning, like when we sing that Graves in the Garden song, or we sing these songs, I get pumped up. Right? And we walk out and we're like, yes, I'm going. I'm ready to do it. And then Monday hits. He's still the same guy. Spend time with him. Read his word. It'll get you right back to there. And as Bob said, we've got cards um, I'm hoping that you don't need an excuse, right, to invite somebody. But we're going to give you one. Even if you're bad with words, just here. <laughs> Try to use words. But maybe there's someone on your heart this morning that you know 
And maybe you can't wait till Easter Sunday be like, hey, it says Easter and it says April the 4th, but can you come next week? Please. I care about you. I love you. I want you to know truth. So grab as many as you can possibly take. If we run out, we'll make more. We want you guys to be sent out. So as we close this morning, we're ending with a song. But let God work on your hearts. Let him do business in our lives this morning. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's